Hello, and welcome to episode 255 of Retro Encounter. I am your host today, Zach Wilkerson, and we are here today to talk about part two, or the ending, of Persona 2 Innocent Sin. And today I am joined by three amazing panelists, starting with Alana Higgs. Hey, everyone. And Leona McCallum. Hi! And Joe Padilla. Let's play the Joker game. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to. <laughs> no, like, oh, you, you do. You oh, you do. It. I have no desire, no love. <laughs> I don't know why you'd say that. <laughs> so thanks so much for joining me, the three of you. Uh, we're going to be talking about the second part of Persona 2 Innocent Sin. And one of the things that I thought going into the first part of recording Persona 2 is like, I can talk about the combat and the dungeons and the characters mm. a little bit, but I don't have that much to say. That's a little different this time. This this game, as I think Solosi said, goes some places. Um, <laughs> goes all the places, really. Um, and so this game really wraps up in a strange way. Um, we left off from the Aerospace Museum. And we, at that point, um, start flying in a blimp just because, like, I don't know, we wish it to be so. Um, no, there's a rumor going around town that the Aerospace Museum blimp is actually real. Yeah. And that's um, why it works. <laughs> that works out very well for the party. Right, well and, for uh, <laughs> and then we get dropped off at, uh, you know, we kind of have to, like, regather our party after that. Um, and after we regather our party, we sort of get... Um, uh, a Maya who shows up who seems maybe a little bit off. Um, <laughs> and at that point, we start getting these indications that maybe we need to go to. And I can't remember exactly why we need to go to the shrine. Is there a reason why they tell us we need to go to the shrine? Oh, I'm trying to remember. I feel like it's as simple as like confronting yourself and finding out the truth behind the Mars Circle. Because before the Aerospace Museum... There is a rumor being spread around that the kids or your party are the Mars Circle, the mm -hmm. terrorist Mars Circle. Mm -hmm. And then you send all of the school kids from the Aerospace Museum around uh, Sumaru City to spread the uh, anti-rumor saying like, oh, we're not the Mars Circle, it's these other people. So um, Lisa, the detective agency, I think begins to remember something. And that's why you go to Elias Shrine, because that's where everything began, really. Yeah, and when we go to the mountain, um, I think that, to me, is where this game, for me at least, really starts. Because it turns out mm -hmm. that that rumor that is spread about you, that you are the original, that you are the mass circle, is actually true. But not in the way that we think. Um, <laughs> right. That as children, you actually knew each other. Um, that the party all knew each other. Um, and they wore masks. And it was like their way of dealing with, um, you know trauma from their childhood and you guys were all really good friends um including maya who you called big sis who's a little bit older um mm -hmm. yuki wasn't part of that um no but it turns out that as children you were all very close and at some point you locked uh maya was supposed to go home and you lock her in a cabin um and it uh eventually gets set on fire by the person who becomes king leo later um but to me like it I wasn't expecting this. Um, I didn't see it coming. And I think one of you accurately said this is like Final Fantasy VIII, but done right. You've all known each other for 10 years. <laughs> um, and so for me, I, I, I love this moment. That was a super cool scene. I thought I really loved. And it's just such a nice moment to finally begin starting to get the backstory and the mysteries, but maybe beginning to unravel a bit and you can finally start making some sense of things in the game. This right. is the moment where it really starts to be like, the series of um, mysteries that you can 
unravel. Right, yeah. And I mean, we also find out that not only is Yukino nothing to do with this, but there is a fifth member of the Mars Circle who we don't re- haven't re- met or remembered yet, and they are Jun Karosu. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, because he turns up... I mean, he's been there the whole time, because Jun is Joker. Jun is Joker, yeah. never see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, toward the end, I did a little bit, because Jun yeah. and um, Joker hold their head the same way. Yeah. Um, in the, in their photos, that was the only way that I was able to see that coming. <laughs> nice, good catch. Um, I actually think that what sends us there, and I know we're sticking a step back, is like the the rumors about the last battalion. Isn't that actually what sends us there originally? Right. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. There you um, go. There you and go. And this is where this game gets really weird. Um, <laughs> oh man, um, your uncle. We all have that uncle. <laughs> who has these really strange theories about the back of the dollar bill um, or the back of the pound um, and about like what theories are transcribed in it. And then like right before we go up the mountain, we hear one of those theories that there are like aliens who are controlling us and that right. Adolf Hitler or the Fuhrer in this case um, is like trying to somehow manage that. And it doesn't make any sense to me. And I said this in the chat beforehand, like I have no mm. idea what they're really talking about, but I kind of love that, that it is totally nonsense to me. <laughs> like some nonsense Hitler, Jesus, alien theory. Uh-huh. That I've definitely heard uh-huh. before from someone in real life. And then yes. it becomes right. true in this game, which is awesome. It somewhat feels like ancient aliens. <laughs> If if anyone's ever seen that show of just like oh, no. of basically I, it was it's on the History Channel in the states and so it's just like basically um, they have a bunch of experts on on um, extraterrestrial activity and happenings and it's basically just a bunch of um, a bunch of men with bad hair um, telling you that uh native people couldn't build things but oh yeah that that there's there's so but there's so much stuff with with like nazis um finding parallel universes and aliens and all that (laughs) and so as i'm playing through this game i'm like yeah it reminds me of watching these shows and being like this is some hot bs (laughs) yeah Uh uh-huh uh yeah we should really talk about uh What's her name? Maya Okumura? Okumura? Is that her name? I think so, yeah. Yeah, her name's also Maya. So we've got two people in the game that have the same name as a main character. Uh, And she she comes to the detective agency, and that's when we start to learn about the the Enla Ketch and the... the, What's his name? Uh, Kashihara. Kashihara, yeah. Yeah, there we go. There we go, yeah. Um... Uh, who was the teacher we saw way back at the start of the game who there was a right. rumor he died at the clock tower um, and he's been writing he was a teacher at that school Seven Sisters High and he's written this big occult conspiracy manifesto that called the Inlaketch and uh, Maya I think we can safely say probably had an affair with Kashi Kashiwara yeah, I believe so, because, um, yeah. well, I mean, we're going to, I'm going to jump ahead a tiny bit here, yeah. but uh, Kashihara is um, Jun's mother, father, and is, and yes. he, and obviously <laughs> there's a whole issue there with his parents, and mm-hmm. God, we're going to get to parents later, aren't we? Um, oh, parents, like, yes. Yeah, um, and 
yeah, she was a singer and an actress, and she calls him a deadbeat, and mm-hmm. he's having an affair with, or she's the um, the teacher is trying to have an affair with him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just a, it's just a, all over the place, really. Yeah. yeah, I think he spends so much of the game thinking that oh, she's like got some secret information. She she knows about all these things that are happening. They're coming true, and I always thought, oh, right, okay, she's like smart or she's like no she knows stuff but it's just because her and her crazy boyfriend wrote this book and then got it broadcast on tv which spread the rumor that that's why she's right and that just and it's just proving her crazy theories to her and make her even more crazy because they're coming true it was such a a a well well designed plot i think in that regard and the like broadcasting it on tv thing it mm-hmm. reminded me of, um, you know, in the previous episode, I talked about, like, how conspiracy theories become true and such. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it it raises uh, it raises the, the tensions that I have with um, mainstream news and with mm-hmm. with corp with corporate media mm-hmm. currently when um, there's when they're actually starting to broadcast stuff about the QAnon conspiracy theories and such. Yes. And yeah, and <laughs> it's like if in you know, th- this game is a very extreme example of just how, um, like, how much people will believe and how much can actually come true. But it doesn't exactly make me feel great <laughs> about um, about about this stuff. So it definitely hits in some truths of uh, human right. society in regards to how we uh, spread false information. The game mm-hmm. definitely is good at demonstrating that. I think. Right, yeah, and it would be completely apt for them to go for the fascist Nazi state, which mm-hmm. basically used propaganda to control the entire nation of Germany, right? Like, mm-hmm. in the same sort of way, so, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, what's interesting about it to me is, you know, I, I feel like throughout the entire game, you are sort of trying, and I, Leona brought this up a little bit earlier, trying to follow the thread of the plot when you realize that really the plot is about (laughs) these five people and then like everything that like sort of spreads from them and Mm -hmm. the 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 rumors create all this insanity um Mm -hmm. throughout and and i i love the way that it 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 follows through on its premise like it says like we're gonna like spread rumors and in real life you know what i i have definitely talked to people who say stuff that is just as crazy as what ends up happening in this game. Uh, I mean, sincerely, I I have talked to people who believe this sort of thing. Oh, I see Um, it every day online. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Every day. Luckily, I try to stay off of Reddit, but... (laughs) 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 But I've had people who literally, it's like, Zach, look at the back of this dollar bill. What do you see here? Oh, my God. uh, Nothing. Um, So my point is this. I I think that um, it... Because so many people, at least in America, from my experience, believe this sort of thing. Um, And those are the sorts of people who believe what they see on TV and are then convinced to do certain things that maybe some of us on this podcast may think are insane. Um, That I think this game might be the most perfect encapsulation of that I've played in a video game. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and, and, you know, what I think is, and I said this earlier, the interesting thing is that these rumors all sort of started long ago, and they started mm-hmm. spreading slowly with um, our our protagonists, our masked circle, our original masked circle, 
um, who are Tetsuya, um, Lisa, and I'm just going to say Michelle because I, I yeah Michelle, <laughs> and then also Jun and um, Maya a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that backstory is fascinating. The the, the connection between those five um, or those four rather. Um, and how they come together and create um, a a group here that we sort of see followed through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it was definitely a really sweet childhood dynamic, but also a kind of tragic one. Mm-hmm. How they all came from really tough uh, social situations. Like uh, Michelle was bullied for being overweight, and he had this really overpaying father. And then you got Lisa, who is struggling with her race in Japan. Um, you got Tatsuya, who uh, I think has issues with his uh, dad. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not explored in mm-hmm. innocence sin, really. There is mm-hmm. one absent father, and it's his. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really um, important that it was pointed out how tragic the, I mean, this, um, you know, these kids in the mass circle is because it it shows their innocence and the simplistic um, solutions that they have to an issue um, that are actually deeply, deeply um, troubling. And when you know, when I when I was a kid and I would you know want to um, hang with my friend a little longer, you know, we, we'd say, "Oh, can we have five more minutes?" You know, with these kids, it's Maya's going away. So we have to make sure that she doesn't. And mm-hmm. there's such a there's such a terrifying innocence to um, to the simplicity of that solution that could only yeah. come from children. I think that really humanizes and deeply ugh, deeply uh, discomforts me seeing that in a game. Yeah, definitely. I mean. Jun is the only one who doesn't want it to happen. Like he's pretty anti. Like don't lock her up. You can't yeah. do this kind of thing. And that stems the kind of like essentially Jun creates this, or is at least manipulated by the false Kashihara mm-hmm. to thinking that Tatsuya is the one who burnt down the how the, the shrine. Yeah, and so yeah, Jun is the reason Jun becomes Joker is because he wants the... Do you remember when Joker turns up at the beginning of the game and he looks at uh, Akichi, Tatsuya, and Lisa and says, oh, you three, why have you forgotten about me? Um, mm. You did this terrible mm. thing. And that's what he's referring to. He thinks that he was... Tatsuya was the one that burned the shrine down and it was their fault that Maya mm. died. And we didn't say this, but actually there's also Maya's childhood ghost in the Elia shrine and the, and oh, yeah. the mountain. Mm. So, yeah. Um... Yeah, I feel Jun in particular is really tragic because, again, like his parents, you know, his mother kind of neglects him and his father is deadbeat. And yeah, um, Jun Jun has a really rough home life. Yeah. um, But yeah, I think that kind of scene where they lock Myra away in the shrine is really terrifying. And the fact Mm -hmm. that they all wear like the mask circle, essentially, they're just putting on masks to get away from like their home lives, aren't Mm -hmm. they? It's simple. But also to kind of to hide themselves as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Just so they can, uh, I, I imagine, uh, just that an- anonymity helped them feel a bit safer. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that um, there, there's a personality disorder called called borderline personality disorder, and like they're all exhibiting uh-huh. pieces of that 
in that okay. they like can't let go of something because and borderline is usually I at least my understanding of it is that it's usually caused by trauma in people's childhood and I think that being able to see that played out in the way that it would be for a child how they can process it like our parents are all absent or terrible or whatever in some way and mm. here is this thing that I'm going to hold on to and I'm going to I'm going to cling to um right. and they don't understand how how harmful that can be and that's exactly the way that children deal with things and and frankly people with that particular disorder deal with it in real life um, as adults as well um and so i think that and i said this before recording i I think that things like this um despite and we'll get to the my criticisms of combat and dungeon crawling despite all of that make this by far i think the most mature and interesting persona story i have played oh for sure yeah uh, it, it, it definitely they had like such a strong concept that I haven't seen done before and they really fully explored it I think and I love it it's interesting uh, I hadn't really thought about um, borderline personality disorder in uh, in thinking about these characters but um, you know thinking about this as a response to trauma I can absolutely see that and especially later in the game um which, you know, we'll get to more of that in Shibalba, if that's how it's pronounced. Um, in Shibalba, you see Jun, um, you know, being picked up by his, who he calls his uncle, um, you know. Yeah. And the way he um, kind of, the way he kind of walks back and the way he um, he's just kind of caught with this really tangible sense of fear it looks it looks like someone responding to a person who they want distance from because of abuse i mean it it really um it really seems to present that Uh, there's really just visceral fear after you have your encounter in the shrine and on the mountain um you end up um fighting joker um and as you're fighting joker um and, and you know at that point that joker is jun um that mm-hmm. he needs help um and you and i think that one of the things that this game does really well um in talking about these ideas of trauma that we've dealt with earlier is that mm-hmm. idea that um and this is very jrpg but i think it actually deals with it in a way that is um, maybe more mature than normal like you know mm-hmm. like friendship is really really matters and like the families that we choose are the ones that matter because oh yeah they all give maya in particular they all give jun this incredible forgiveness for being joker um and at the time you believe that um joker or jun is being manipulated by his so-called father this is two-thirds of the way through the game we're not even we're not even further <laughs> than that and it's it's it reminds me a little bit of uh Suikoden 2 where like that's like the person who you think is the villain oh. um who you get much yeah. earlier although he's definitely different than Luca of course but um <laughs> but you 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 end up recruiting him much earlier i guess maybe magus or magus is more appropriate but um right. um i i think that the way that it deals with typical jrpg themes in that way when you recruit him is again it's not just that like he's misunderstood it's that he misremembers and again that is a sign of trauma that's a sign of people mm-hmm. being manipulated yeah. by their parental figures and i think that, that makes jun an incredibly compelling character as a result yeah i mean false memories and repressed memories are a big 
uh, thing with all the characters in this, as you said, and uh, even in my life, I can think of like ways that I've, I've, I've repressed memories, or I remember things completely differently from uh, how other people remember them, and you're never quite sure of what's real and what's not. And I, I loved the way that the game tackled that, and uh, I really felt for June and understood where he was coming from in that regard. It's it's funny just as a just as a kind of general note. I remember making uh, a post on social media, being like, "Who's your favorite Persona cast? Three, four, five. And then there were a bunch of people who said two in the mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in in the post, and I was like, "All right, you gosh dang contrarians, um, <laughs> hipsters." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, God, way to be way to be a hipster. Like, great job, clap, clap for you. But no, like, I mean, some of them, right. I'm, some of them were, I'm sure, being hipsters, but also. Uh, they're not wrong. I mean, this no, is... No, they're not wrong. Especially when you look at a character like Jin, it's just so complex and eminently relatable um, mm-hmm. that it's... Yeah, I mean, I, despite what Jin does as Joker, I don't think... I don't think anyone would really be rooting against him <laughs> in right. this game. He wanted people to fulfill their dreams, and on paper, that looks great, <laughs> but uh, the sort of warped rumors that were going around made it not so great and he just got so uh, messed up in this uh, sort of philosophy that he was being led astray with his fake father and sort of things it's it was definitely a a perfect storm in that regard and definitely made me I could understand him and I could I could forgive him like it was one of those characters where the redemption um was Mm -hmm easier for me than some others yes. it felt burned yeah i agree mm-hmm. definitely yeah i mean it was like he essentially is doing a really extreme version of creating a group of imaginary friends to recreate that friendship he had as a child oh, right like gosh, that, i've that done that definitely oh, <laughs> like jun is a really really i love i i said as a joke to somebody i was like i've adopted jun and i've adopted a kichi i was like i've adopted both of them and they're both my children okay <laughs> his jun's mother i think uh, near the end she sort of turns a, a new leaf and sort of starts to appreciate jun right um because she does in the in one of the temples like just throw herself in front of a yeah, it's at the end of Caracol, friend. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she defends yeah. him. Yeah, and you don't even know who she is at this point. You're mm-hmm. just like, who's this no. woman? <laughs> yeah, I was. I was like, what? She's cool dead, but what? <laughs> he seems to think early on that his mom is dead. So how? Where does how does he, how does Jin come to that conclusion? This is a genuine question because I'll be honest. This plot is difficult for me to follow. I didn't say this earlier on the podcast, but I finished this game roughly 50 minutes before <laughs> before recording, and I played like 18 hours of it in two days. It was, uh, it was a journey. Um, it was a journey for all of us, because uh, I made everyone else participate. Um, but <laughs> how does what leads him to that conclusion about his mother not loving him? I mean, like, what? why is it because mm. she's going for some dream that he's unaware of? Like I'm not sure. I think she, think she blames him for like robbing her of yep. her actress career okay. and yeah. becoming a mother. Um, yeah, I think it's just, I think it is that, and she's very cold to him as a child, and just finds him a nuisance. And his dad 
uh, isn't respected or is like, you know, slightly unhinged. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't think she joins the mass circle knowing the Joker is her son. I think no. that's an independent thing. Yeah, she doesn't know. Yeah, that's she doesn't interesting. Know. That's interesting that she would join her son's group. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think that reflects on Jun as well. Like this idea that he always wanted, as a child, that he must have always wanted his mom to get what she wanted, but she never mm. did. And so that you could argue is part of what he's looking for here too. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. I think he just wants the best for everybody, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And yeah. which is really interesting when you start getting down to Arcana and um. Zodiac stuff because the Wheel of Fortune yeah. one of the things about the Wheel of Fortune is that they are optimistic and they want things to get better as soon as possible and <sighs> that's what Joker that. tries to do but it's a bit of a reverse <laughs> so well, yeah. That's, yeah that's all, always the best uh, Persona characters when they are their arcana but they're also the reversed arcana and you, mm-hmm. they're always, always so interesting I'm, I'm glad you've been looking into it, Alana yeah, There's two <laughs> characters both Tatsuya and Jun are their reversed arcana because Ooh. um are we okay to move on to the yeah, zodiac temples absolutely. now? Um, yeah, that's what I was so, about to go. okay. Um, so you go to four individual temples. Each of them they pop up. So basically, at the end of Caracol, let's rewind a bit. At mm-hmm. the end of Caracol, the prophecy is fulfilled, and Jabalba raises and raises the whole of uh, Sumari City up into the sky. And these four temples appear, mm-hmm. and the crystal skulls are all placed inside these four temples, with the heart of Jabalba at the centre of Samari City. Mm-hmm. And you have to go and retrieve the four crystal skulls. This is not an Indiana Jones film that doesn't <laughs> exist. Um, but, that have, have Nazis, though. It yeah. does, yes. Um, so you go to these four temples, and interestingly, they're named, they are Leo Temple, Scorpio, Taurus, and Aquarius, which are all the star signs of the four characters who are not Maya. So mm-hmm. Tatsuya is a Leo, Ikichi is a Scorpio, Lisa is a Taurus, and Jun is an Aquarius, and obviously it relates to the Mars Circle as well. And mm-hmm. something I picked up on going through those dungeons, I mean, those dungeons aren't great, and I'm sure we'll go into that in a minute, um, yeah. but like, Jun, one of Jun's contacts is that he reads your fortune or reads your, like, um, star sign and Mm -hmm. he does it with all of the demons and he does it to all of your characters in the break rooms as well Mm -hmm. and they're accurate to like you know when you read those zodiac columns in newspapers and whatever and they're like (laughs) you're an aquarius you're a sensitive person or whatever it is i can't remember off the top of my head or you're Uh a libra and you're indecisive like yeah i know that definitely um but but yeah like the one that always stuck out to me and leona pointed this out to me as well because um we were talking beforehand that we love how jun shades lisa a little bit Mm -hmm. because jun is very close to tatsuya and Mm -hmm. he says Oh, Lisa's a Taurus. She's jealous. You know that sounds right, right? Like stubborn. Like yeah, um, but he does it with everybody. And then the one that stood out to me the most was in Leo Temple with Tatsia, and he uh. says, "Oh, you know, Tats. You know, this temple is a Leo. Leos are brave. They're happy. They're positive. Mm-hmm. They're leaders, just like Tatsia." And I'm thinking. Tatsuya's not shown an ounce of leadership, like in the nicest yeah. possible way. Yeah. Throughout the game, it's been Maya and mm-hmm. Tatsuya's reserved and shy, and like him and Jun are both their reverse arcana throughout the entire game, and their reverse of their like their star sign. So that's so interesting. It's a lot to take in. Like you have to do a lot of reading, but there's other things as well. But uh-huh. yeah, the zodiac temples are where like your the characters' shadow selves, or at least three of them do because the three shadow selves appear at the end of caracol and 
They're really interesting. Is there a particular one anyone likes or interested in digging into? I mean, I thought that uh, Lisa's was interesting because it Uh, pointed out all the criticisms that I had of her last episode. Uh Um, Exactly. Which I think is fascinating because, like, I criticized her and then you, you... all, all three of you said, like, nah, I think that maybe you're oversimplifying her. Um, and, I, <laughs> oh, no, no. and I appreciate that. <laughs> I was a bit with you. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And I think that the the game is doing the same thing. Like, the game is, uh, the, the shadow self is trying to oversimplify her a little bit. And she says, no, that's mm-hmm. not exactly who I am. Although I will say that after she joins up with the shadow self, I feel like the only thing she talks about is Tetsuya, um, which was literally my criticism um, at the time. But you you could also argue that that's like her embracing what she wants. Like uh, there's an author named Annie Dillard who says like, you should always like go after your one true thing. And that is what she's doing. Um, And so I can respect (laughs) that in its own way, but also it's interesting that it criticizes her for it. And then she does it anyway. Which I think is kind of cool, mm-hmm. actually. Um, well, yeah, because like her whole thing is like rebellion, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. there's a really interesting line before you fight Shadow Lisa in that Shadow Lisa says that she's been taking drugs and oh, sleeping yeah. with old men, and I'm like, oh my Jesus Christ, yeah. like, is that real? But like, again, going to Lisa's like alignment with the lovers and Taurus, like she's this stubborn girl, but she likes harmony. But a lot of her actions are like disharmonious. Like she's trying to like stand mm-hmm. out in her own way, but wants to be accepted as well. And it's like I feel so bad for her when they, like Shadow Lisa came out. Yeah, of that line. I, I really like, felt for her as well. And the, the drugs and sleeping around thing was definitely like a mm-hmm. shocking moment. Yeah. I thought, like, but I like I got it, and I I could understand it, and I I believe it. I do think it probably is true a little bit, not like to a harder degree, but I I, I can fully see. Lisa's character experimenting or yeah, you know it's just another something. way of her rebelling isn't it yeah really? totally um and <laughs> I also love that Lisa's temple is she like fully like is just about confessing her love to Tsuya and I'm like nice gay though <laughs> 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 boy but with a preference for yeah a, sorry a, a, a yeah yeah gay is by yeah absolutely um cause uh, and I, I thought the game handled the the the, the bisexuality really interestingly because like there like there is a you can pick Ikichi, and it's treated as a joke. But Jun isn't treated like a joke. That's very much treated as serious, except for one point where the the, the contact is called lovers question mark, which I think we could have done with that. Yeah, I think it could have just been lovers because like the actual contacts itself are very sweet mm-hmm. and very like heartfelt mm. and like they're very earnest <laughs> i also love doing it with demons that are like oh is this the return of sodom <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever get that one i, didn't get contact. I'm someone I did, did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i 100 percent picked uh june as the romance option i i also did and i'm uh i really when lisa brought up um about uh, when Shadow Lisa was talking to Lisa and said, you know, you hate being different, but you're just trying to get noticed. Like, mm. and I, I was like, mm, don't come at me like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't come in here for tea. <laughs> I, I think it, I think it speaks to that tension that a lot of us feel in asserting individuality. Um, mm-hmm. but also wanting, uh, wanting to be known, wanting to be accepted, um, mm-hmm. While still having that, and I think that's something that everyone 
uh, kind of feels, but it's really, I think it's really well presented um, by this temple um, and by Lisa kind of going forward, uh, how she how she acts and and uh, the different ways in which we uh, dislike <laughs> how she acts at times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are there any other temples that uh, the three uh, the three of you really thought were intriguing or interesting? Yeah, I don't know. They're okay. Uh, I think the yeah. Lisa one's the best one. I think the Lisa one's the best one, and then Jun's doesn't have a shadow. Jun doesn't have a shadow. No, self it's because... just three Nazis. Yeah, and I guess June's shadow is technically accents. yeah. June's shadow. Oh my god! Yes, June's shadow is technically Joker, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, I, I, I think we've that's already we've already beaten him twice. Yeah, as one is an angel as well, angel Joker. Yeah, <laughs> there was there was some I. I don't think that there was a whole lot that was really direct about the Leo Temple, but it kind of laid the groundwork for what comes in at the end because mm-hmm. there's these, um, because Shadow Tetsuya is raising all these kind of questions about who, um, like, who is really, who is Tetsuya Soyu really, and how mm-hmm. do we as the player relate to him? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, how do we control his actions and everything? Um, so I found that. I found that very interesting on a kind of uh, on a more meta level, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Akichi's, I guess, is interesting because you've got um, this revelation that Miyabi, one of the girls from near the beginning of the game, oh, yeah. he, him, and her have the thing for each other. Mm-hmm. And oh it, yeah. Yeah. So like, he was obviously mocked for being overweight as a kid mm-hmm. and she was one of the people who mocked him but she had a bit of a thing for him and then the reverse happened in that Akichi wanted to become more confident more brash and brave and mm-hmm. he does on the outside obviously because he thinks he's this rock star and and then Miyabi becomes the overweight one and she gets mm-hmm. like she doesn't want him to know that but yeah. there's th- there's this moment where they get together at the end of the temple and the, the, why does why does it go all cartoony and just say like they hug and then love comes about <laughs> them? Yeah. What I wanted that with Jim, damn it! Like I, 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 I laughed so hard at that. It's so like, they random. made this they made this animation just for this second. Right? <laughs> it's just so funny. Yeah, I actually really like the the cozy Miami uh, little it's, subplot. It's cute. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think any JRPGs deal with being overweight as a woman but also uh, not they, they don't deal with it as a woman without making it a joke like that's what I'm saying. from the new world does I, it i think they treat uh her very humanely and yeah. like uh, and with a lot of empathy the way she's ashamed and try to hide from uh ikichi and but at the same time he you know at the end they're both like i i love you and i want to be with you no matter what and i that's thought so it was cute. like a really i don't see that very often and Japanese uh, games, and and the reason why she, and the reason why she put on the weight was because she was feeling guilty about Guilt, bullying yeah. him. Yeah, and so it's like, so I mean, it's just it's cyclical, um, mm-hmm. and right. I I really liked at the very end of it where you know you have your you know I am you know uh, I art thou blah 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 you know stuff mm-hmm. that happens in every Persona game, and usually it's a um, usually the character is kind of uh, exasperated and 
is like, well, this is strange, but I guess I'm taking, I guess you're me, I'm taking you on. And I really like that Ikichi just said, cool with me. I already know you're me. And yeah. it, it just, just nearly monotone. Just yeah. like he knew, like, there, there, like this wasn't even a revelation for him. It was just, yeah, yeah I knew I had to come to this at some point. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. It was like yeah. something he was scared to face, but when he actually had to confront it, it was like, okay, I'm here. I have to do it. Yeah, and I think that this game in general deals with issues of identity way better than the other two Persona games that I have. I mean, like, like there, it, it's always a thing that comes up in Persona 4 and 5, at least, like this idea of like finding your identity. But I feel like mm-hmm. here you actually see like the disconnect much more clearly between like who a person wants to be and who a person is and like why they are the way they are currently Mm -hmm. and how they're getting to whatever person it is they want to be. Um, And I think that that phrase, when I hear it here, I'm like, oh, now I understand why you're saying that. It's not just like some like phrase I have to read a thousand times in Persona 5 as I recruit more Persona to get like, I don't know. Oh, you rank up your confidants. Yeah, to yeah. rank up my confidants. Yeah, I mean, like, and then there, that's where I feel like I see it a thousand times. Whereas here, I'm like, oh, I understand why you're saying that now. And like, it was it was an interesting revelation for me as a person who's only played the later games. Right, and I feel like a lot of analysis on later Persona games. I mean, the Persona series is based on Jung's kind of like mm-hmm. the shadow, yeah. the Persona. Yeah, and I think it's more directly dealt with here in two and i think one a lot of people consider one does it quite well as well um yeah i think there are there are kind of two planks to this in terms of um why it's presented why this these earlier games in the persona series might be better at tackling this one is that the director and writer for persona 2 i believe is different from personas 3 through 5 yes yes that's right so I mean, and that's where you know in Persona Three, there's some, there's some stuff with a um, with a trans woman, which is not very nice. And then you know, mm-hmm. four, yeah. five, Catherine, <laughs> which was also the same director and writer team. And Catherine is the worst one. Yeah, not Ooh, the Catherine was the same team. Oh man, the Catherine Ooh. is yeah. a disgusting oh, yeah. game. Oh, it does. Um, and you know, and that's I think definitely part of it, and also just how. Um, how Japanese games and Japanese society have a less direct um, approach when it comes to talking about um, to mm-hmm. sexuality and gender, and not that it's right. not that it's a better or more progressive, but it is a different, less direct way of saying this character is gay and that's fine. It's mm-hmm. it's it's sometimes more conservative, but but often just less direct. And harder yeah. to pick up yeah. on, I think. That's a good point. The cultural differences mm-hmm. of how we sort of go. Because, like, I always think sometimes uh, Western fans are a bit uh, too. Uh, they try and push the sort of way the Japanese media and chap- cultural Japan works in regards to these things, mm. and they don't. They seem to misunderstand the culture, and it's it, you're not helping by trying yeah. to impose We're Western standards. Saying like, standards oh, it's just a their, different like, culture. You don't understand. Yeah. You just need to pay attention yeah. to Japanese culture. I'm like, no, that's not everyone. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> and it's it, it's used both ways. It, one is used to like forgive, uh, you know, homophobia, transphobia racism all these things like people try to use it as a justification of why it's different and fine you shouldn't say anything that's wrong but on the other hand you've got the way that people say oh uh, 
don't try and like correct them or whatever because you're being racist or inside of the culture. It's, it's a fine line you have to walk and mm-hmm. trying to critique the way uh, different cultures approach these taboo topics. Unfortunately, yeah. they are taboo. And, it, and it's interesting because, like, again, when people bring that argument up, I would point to a game like this that isn't perfect mm-hmm. by no means. No. Yeah. But it at least is it makes an effort to be honest about it and it's not for the most part at least in terms of what you see in the main story totally shameful mm-hmm. and it makes people like when you do the lovers contact look ridiculous when they question you back right right there are some things that are still questionable like there's a contact between lisa and yun where lisa does jun's makeup and she's like oh well you look as pretty as a girl and things like that and i'm like no come on like yeah. that's just I don't know. <laughs> You're gay. You must be a girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and and that is, and that is another thing with Jun, where it's it definitely gives into that, um, you know, neo Freudian or Jungian idea of like, oh, gay men come from, uh, yep. from houses with, um, with fathers who are right. not dominant, and they're more yep. close to a domineering mother, and it's like. Ugh. Oh, mm-hmm. That's a little. That's a little rough there. That's a good point. <laughs> yep. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Jun and Tatsuya, um, Maya points out a few times throughout the game, and I might go into this a little bit more if I get time. But like, um, <laughs> Jun and Tatsuya are remarked as being essentially one and the same person. Like, like look so similar. She yeah. says yeah. so many times. Yeah, and. I think there's a reason for that, and I might go into it towards the I end. I want to hear... Okay, we have to move so we can get to it then. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the final dungeon, because it's real long. Um, <laughs> I mean... Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind the final dungeon, because to me it was just a long corridor where you just walked and you hit a cutscene, and you walked and you hit a cutscene. And I didn't mind that, because... I was so frustrated with like the the Taurus temple with the moving slides yes. that I was just like, oh, I will take a corridor. It, I will take a the, corridor right now. In the Taurus temple, <laughs> I didn't realize that like there was like on the left side a way that you could walk to the next part. And I walked uh-huh. back and forth to the first and second uh, floor. And I'm <laughs> like, oh my gosh, there's a there's a map there. But somehow I didn't get far <laughs> enough left to realize that I had to move because the mapping system in this game and the dungeons in this game are absolutely atrocious. Oh, this is like a love fest so far, but man, yeah, we spend so much time in the dungeons reality. in the second half of this game, and they all suck. And yeah. all the later ones have like SP draining pools, and when yeah. you start getting like your Ooh. like prime persona and, and your ultimate like persona, SP, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, I'm buying like 99 yeah. chewing every souls time. every yeah, time. <laughs> I just oh, got this amazing image of the five party members just furiously chewing gum as they try and dodge pitfalls. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> those, yeah, I mean, those four temples. Um, because I finally figured out a stoma by the time I got to Zibalba, um, <laughs> so that wasn't as bad. Those four temples mm-hmm. are egregious. Um, some of yeah. the worst, in terms of actual gameplay and design, some of the worst temples, or worst dungeons I've ever mm-hmm. seen. I mean, yeah. the fact that those, the, the fact that they're reusing the same, not even like changing the colors on the sprites, but just reusing the same monsters for right. all four mm-hmm. of those dungeons, for what could I mean, for my playthrough, took like nine hours of that total mm-hmm. game. Yeah, I mean that's took... awful. I agree. Yeah, it took me a long time. Like at least space them out. Like don't stick the Zelda section right together. <laughs> right. Like spread it out over like twenty five hours or something. I didn't mind them as much, but it's because 
I hadn't done a lot of neg- I hadn't done a lot of free card negotiation at this right. point, so I literally hooked onto three different demons, ran <laughs> away from most of the other ones, and then uh, just negotiated with them and just got them to give me free cards, and then went and made a load of really good persona <laughs> for Jabalba. <laughs> so it was just, okay. yeah, but it's it just is, your card ATM. <laughs> it's unideal, and there's like it depends on what order you do them, doesn't it? Because they change shape, mm-hmm. so they yeah. all like they're the force. The four like layouts are the same, but dependent on what order you do them. Like Leo Temple will have a different layout if you do it first than if you do it third, I guess. So it's it's yeah. dependent on what temple affects what temple. So Aquarius makes so Aquarius is what the wind temple. Wind blows out the fire temple. That's right. So it makes it weaker, but like uh, huh. Leo makes the earth temple burn or something like that. It makes it stronger. So it yes. depends on what order you do them in. It, yeah. And I mean, I love, and, and, you know, the temples, you know, are all bad, but like the, the, the dungeon, like quote unquote dungeon that you go through to get to Shibalba, the silver river Mm -hmm. is hilarious because you're just like running around at first in like a (laughs) boat with a, like a a swastika on it. It's not actually a swastika. swastika. It's an iron cross because it's censored. Yeah, Yeah, because it's censored, but it's, it's a swastika. (laughs) That's what I see. Um, It's so outrageous. And like that, (laughs) I feel like we're talking about these incredibly heavy things and we are, this game Mm -hmm. is heavy. Like, in mm-hmm. ways that are important but it's also really funny um in like a dark yeah. way um and like it's so outrageous to see your party it's like running into walls in that swastika <laughs> boat um and like it could be offensive but like this game deals with its theme so seriously that it's not offensive um that i think right. it is um and an interplay between the characters like jun like makes fun of lisa so much Lisa mm-hmm. makes fun of uh, uh, Ikichi, Ikichi, Michelle. There you go, you did it! <laughs> um, so much, like, there's, like, this great interplay between them that I, I think mm-hmm. we've sort of lost a little bit in our discussion of the really heavy themes of this game, but it mm-hmm. it, yeah. it makes it, it makes the game keep moving because, like, it's not just, like, a slog fest of depression. <laughs> Right, yeah, they're so charming. And actually, that bit in the boat, um, before Yukino leaves, because obviously Yuki leaves the party at Karakol, yeah. but she says, don't let Maya drive any vehicles. <laughs> and what do they do? <laughs> let her drive a vehicle. <laughs> I, I like when Lisa is like, are you going to let one of the adults take over? <laughs> She's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that, that that scene was basically just the... Uh, the river scene in Final Fantasy VI, but with a Nazi raft. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. That's so true. Serpent's trench. <laughs> Nazi ultras comes out yeah. the water. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Yolanthep is like Yolanthep's not too far away from Cthulhu. That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> but the the final dungeon okay. itself um, is very long, but you know it, it doesn't feel as long as some of the others because like you're constantly mm-hmm. walking through these wo- rooms that either have like either totally insane and ridiculous boss fights, and we haven't talked about the German accents yet in this game. Oh. But oh, oh my goodness! Evil. Like sometimes they don't even try. <laughs> it's great. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. But like you go through all these uh, rooms where you're finding out more information, some of which we've already talked about. But also where you have these boss fights, like, on almost every floor. Um, And so if the rest of the game had done that, the dungeons wouldn't have felt as horrible. And for me, like, as I'm playing it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, come on, come on, come on. Because, like, I knew that I had to record this at 
4 p.m. Eastern time on a Sunday. <laughs> um, extra pressure. But yeah, I, I mean, otherwise, I actually thought that Shibalba was like a pretty well done dungeon, except for all the SP draining pools, which luckily I was stocked up on my chewing souls. Yeah, <laughs> and you can leave on four or five anyway. Oh, can so, you? Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. So anyway, there's a boss called Metal Daddy. Yeah, right. There is. That's a thing. Metal Daddy. <laughs> yes, that's that's the one where it's Ikichi's father, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we're sitting in one of the rooms, and you're getting like metal representations of their parents coming at them. I would just, right. I just would have been remiss if I didn't, if we left this podcast no, without right bringing no, up that. Imp- very it's very important, important. especially because yeah. he's got like the like a cable eye. You know, he's got like one red, yes. the oh, one red eye. I mean, one of the things you discover as you go through that dungeon is slowly you discover that like your dreams and your wants and your desires and your fears in this case um, are mm-hmm. coming true. And so like Maya is trying to manipulate that to get to yes. the Fuhrer. Mm-hmm. A little bit quicker. I, it, this game is so ridiculous. I love it. Um, to get to the Fuhrer so, a little bit faster. Um, and once she says that, like, Ikichi's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then, like, a golden version of his dad comes out of the mm-hmm. wall and attacks you. <laughs> Which is yeah. amazing. I, I, I really love Maya in these scenes where she often is the detective of the group. Mm-hmm. And she's right. often the one figuring out how the dungeon works and I quite like that about her and watching her slowly try to work out how exactly the mechanics of it work was super interesting and how you have to kind of take a leap of faith on her at the end to like shorten the dungeon mm-hmm. for you. Right. I mean, I always believe in Maya, so it was a good call for Always. Me. Of course. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> always. Definitely. This is also the dungeon where we see Maya's father and what happened to him and yeah. you know, we get the, the, right. the story properly from her and I was so heartbreaking. You kind of got a glimpse into all the past sort of reactions Maya had. Mm-hmm. It was so heartbreaking. Yeah. What did you guys think of Maya's story? I mean, I Maya's my favorite character in this game. I mean, I love Yuki mm-hmm. too, but um, mm-hmm. just the way that she reacts to her dad being absent is to like try mm-hmm. to do what he did but better. Um, which is yeah. always the thing that we should all aspire to, right? Like uh, the ways in which our parents failed us, which, you know, no matter how amazing our parents are, they're not perfect. Like to react to that in a way that makes us better indicates to me like just how amazing mm-hmm. Maya is. Yeah, you're, you're so right. Because at the same time, she pursues her journalist career, but she also is slavishly devoted to making sure her friends and family and loved ones are know that that know that she's there for them and she will forgive them and she will be there for them and she's such a a good person you kind of get you kind of finally understand she's not just like a anime protagonist that's like we'll be positive it's like no she's trying to force herself to be positive and trying to rationally think okay i'm going to be here for my friend i'm mm. going to make sure they know that i love them and yeah. i yeah. care for them she's seen some yeah, things and yeah yeah mm-hmm. she has and the moon arcana again is like the it's supposed to be the insecure mm. emotional but nurturing person and mm-hmm. interestingly enough like because you fight maya shadow right back at the shrine mm-hmm. she does not accept her shadow at all she rejects oh. it outright mm. and it fades away and reverse moon is releasing fear and repressed emotion and and she doesn't oh. really like ever 
do that, does she? Like, she's scared, but she's mm-hmm. never, like, she never quite goes over the line. And she's just, just so interesting and so great. Yeah. And... I wonder if there's a second game where you play as Maya. I wonder. spread rumors. I don't know. Do, do you know, maybe if we spread rumors far enough, maybe oh, it'll yeah. get made. Everyone, sp- email, email. RetroRPGFan.com. Rumor at Mike Solosi is like this ramen lady smoking a cigarette. Come on, I'll spread your rumor. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a spy, you know. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this final dungeon is where I said, like, this is where the, I this is Daddy Issues the RPG because you discover all that information about Jun that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. all the stuff about Maya, all the mm-hmm. stuff about. I mean, we already knew the things about Michelle and his father um, and Lisa's parents as well. But it becomes like they all come up over and over again throughout the course of this dungeon. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is a game about kids whose dads disappointed them. Um, These people aren't Mm -hmm. defined by those things, but the game acknowledges the trauma of those things, which I think is beautifully mature. You're absolutely right. It's it's and it's so well represented in like the final boss of the game, mm-hmm. you know, the All Father, the Great Father, whatever he was called. It's the culmination of the the whole essence of a yeah. father. And I think they say, what is it? The the greatest challenge in a child's life is overcoming their father or something yeah. like that. The greatest obstacle in their life, yeah, is their father. specifically a son, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's totally different for daughters. Well, yeah, like, no, the mother, like, the mother is very much that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, God, screw uh, the Oedipus complex so much. <laughs> I agree. I mean, it makes the, the final boss makes the ideas of the game quite literal, where like you're literally fighting five parts of a giant demon who is not only like the demon who created the rumors we discover. Which can someone please mm-hmm. say the name for me? I'm not going to try. What Neil yeah. Did, No, don't yeah. say it like that. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, not helpful. Yeah. Anymore. I need you to shout. <laughs> Insert one hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Insert one hundred. You are not Ferris yeah, from yeah, Steins yeah. Gate. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alana, can you please say the name of the final boss? <laughs> uh, well, the final boss is called Great Father, but actually, the, it's um, Neil Arthur which is um, a character we did not talk about at all last episode. Is Philemon, and Neil Arthur is kind of the flip side yeah. of the coin to Philemon. Philemon mm-hmm. is. They're both the collective unconscious of humanity. Yeah. Philemon is the good side of that, the side that will overcome any trial. Nealarthotep is the bad side of that, and Philemon is stuck in this collective unconscious area, but Nealarthotep has the ability to go out and bend people's will to his, you know, control them, essentially, mm-hmm. which, yeah. To influence them. Yeah. All right. I mean, he's the one yeah, who created I'm... the rumors as truth, as a way to yeah. prove yes. that humanity if they are left entirely to their own devices and the things they mm-hmm. think, then they will destroy themselves. And yeah. yeah, he is the one who embodies the great father, and it really is the great father with five different versions of your father telling you that you're not good enough or being absent mm-hmm. yeah. or some other way. Um, yeah, so man. this like, false Kashihara and mm-hmm. real Kashihara, then Lisa's dad, Akechi's dad, and Maya's dad, yeah, they all mm-hmm. say different. Like you can't tell from the pixel art, but you can definitely tell from what they say. Yeah. 
Jesus. It's such yeah. a good game, guys. Oh my it's God. so good. Did we build them like Nyarlath, Nyarlath, uh, is also Hitler. I'm That's so, also yeah. true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Hitler was also. I, yeah. I believe what, what I, I meant was the Fuhrer, Alana. Oh, yeah, oh sorry. sorry. It's just, you know, the sunglasses and the coat. You know, you know, there are a lot of questions that this game raises, but perhaps the most salient one is who gave Hitler aviators? Right? <laughs> I believe it was the censorship team. Yeah. I believe that is correct. The stuck him out of the ice. But how do they explain that in game? Was he just was it just like welcome back to the world, Fuhrer. Here's some aviators. Have you seen Top Gun? Here you go. Yeah. The love Top Gun. <laughs> Speaking of Top Gun, let's talk about the ending. That that's that doesn't make any sense yes. at all, but wow, whatever. What? Um, <laughs> so right. the ending is something. Jesus. Um, Alana, can you explain the ending to me, please? <laughs> I'll do my best. So you overcome the Alpha Tap and you think you're gonna win, and all of a sudden a camera comes oh. out of nowhere with the spear of destiny. And stabs Maya. Yes. <laughs> what the hell? To fulfill the prophecy of Maya. Correct. Which, the, and, and like it. Yes. Yes. And the Oracle of Maya is really interesting. And mm-hmm. if you're not paying attention and you don't know, it basically tells you the entire plot of the yep. game. <laughs> because it talks about a band, like a group of girls forming to form an idol group. It talks about the fires of the flames, which is Leo blowing up the buildings, like the gold mm-hmm. building and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about the five skulls and the Grand Cross. The Holy Cross, yeah. And the Maya's maiden heart stops and it stops the planet from spinning or the star, which is Earth. Mm-hmm. And it does stop spinning when Maya dies. And making the end a new beginning. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> which just dun, dun, dun. it's right in front of you the whole time you just like because yuki's friend um from persona one the one who comes along and like phones you frequently she's the one who interprets it for you i think isn't she she's the one that tells you to go up to the uh, Ellen, yeah oh, really? yeah wow and okay i missed like... that okay <laughs> um yeah, yeah. You, meet, you meet ellen briefly she's she's a lot more prominent in the eternal punishment okay. Right, yeah. But yeah, Maya dies, and then oh. Nolotep runs away, and Philemon puts this to you. He says, right, the only way you can do this is by resetting everything, and you have to forget all of your memories and everything. You have to forget mm-hmm. ever meeting, ever doing this, that. You're creating an alternate timeline that's set whenever, and they do it. Yeah. They're going to a world where they never met, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Which yeah. is just the most tragic thing as well, because you know how much these this group love each yeah. other, and have right. been through so much together. Yeah, it's interesting that Maya is stamped with the spear of destiny, which is mm-hmm. the spear that stabbed Jesus Christ, right? And yeah, um, well, and yeah, and it specifically had to be that because of all the rumors going out how the spear that stabbed Jesus caused right. bleeding that could never be stopped. So yep. they, knew, they needed that rumor to make sure that Maya could never be saved. Well, it's essentially because, a myth, isn't it? Which is like yeah. the ultimate rumor. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a 2,000 yeah. year old rumor. It's pretty hard to overcome <laughs> like, that in this world. Yeah. yeah. And we haven't talked too much about Ultimate Persona, and I don't think we'll get time to dig into it too much. Mm-hmm. But like, if you get everybody's Ultimate Persona, you can do a um, fusion spell called uh, Grand Cross, mm-hmm. and Grand Cross is what happens when like the, the world stops and things. And 
The positioning of each character in Grand Cross is really interesting because you have... Um, I'm, this might sound bananas. It um, is. Maya okay. is in the center. <laughs> it's supposed to represent Jesus. And Serious? Tatsuya is um, supposed to be the lion of uh, the Wheel of Fortune. And then okay. it goes Jun, who's Aquarius, which is the angel or the human. And then it goes to Lisa, the bull, Taurus, on the Wheel uh-huh. of Fortune. And then Ikichi, who is, death is a Scorpio, but Scorpio can mean eagle as well as scorpion, I believe. And there's a bird on the Wheel of Fortune as well. So... Oh my god! Grand, yeah! Watch the and this is supposed to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They are literally acting out the Wheel of Fortune card and the Grand Cross oh. when they do that spell. And that's what happens. Like, Maya has to die because she is essentially Jesus in this situation. And that's... You know, and, oh my god. And yeah. it's it, eternal punishment. That's... Oh, yes. oh my oh my god. I need to throw something. Oh my god. <laughs> that's inc- Guys, that's inc- we need to play Eternal Punishment. Oh, I'm going yeah. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> that's incredible. Right? Like when I realized that, I was like, there's got to be a reason you've got to put them in this specific order. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, hang on a minute, like me with my crazy like cork board theories on it, like here I go. Charlie from yeah, Always Sunny, yeah, of- good. yeah exactly it kind of blew my mind well now that we're talking about cork boards um (laughs) Uh that's when we know we've really gotten to persona 2 um what are some final thoughts that you all have um like what are your overall thoughts what are your overall feelings about the game Mm -hmm. um joe we'll start with you um on a mechanical level i don't like it (laughs) i think it's (laughs) Um, where I think pers- where I think a game like Persona 4 Golden is like almost as close to mechanical perfection that I've experienced and that speaks to my gameplay sensibilities. This is like the ante of that. <laughs> I don't like a lot of it. Um, in terms of story and theming and writing and just how deep you can dive with the symbolism in this game, mm-hmm. it's incredible. I am th- I was already really. Th- thrilled with a lot of stuff in this game and this conversation has just made me even more so <laughs> i agree what about you alana oh i dig it so much like, <laughs> it's like it's just nonsense and it just really i think what i really love about it is that a lot of the times i feel like persona 3 4 and 5 they've got themes that they go for and like like i've been so long since i've played persona 3 or 4 and like five's personas are all like thieves aren't they they're fictional Mm. thieves or delinquents and things like that but like all of these characters personas are all greco-roman they're all interlinked and they're Mm. all like they every single thing about them like like every detail of that character is like meticulously planned out to like Mm. you know tatsuya is the sun maya is the moon and all their ultimate personas are siblings or twins and (laughs) they both represent the sun and the moon and oh guess what you know maya gives birth to hermes which is jun's persona which is like jun sees them as a mother it's ridiculous and like once you really it's been a long time since i've really sunk my teeth into like something so lore deep Mm -hmm. but it's just it's fascinating like i don't mind how it plays too much like i've seen some conflicting opinions about people saying that the playstation one version is better because it's faster that um, sounds better to me i don't actually, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Actually, yes. only because um the the auto battle system is kind of the default like yes. and that just makes 
like you intuitively speed through the battles faster. Right, yeah, you don't have to input every single mm-hmm. time, yeah, or you don't have to press triangle to do it. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't mind the gameplay and stuff. And we didn't get time to dig into side quests. I didn't do too many of them, yeah, but there were some fun like Japanese um, Japanese mythology references and things like that. And like, one of my my favorite thing about the Persona games is the persona like i want to know what their origin stories are what their mythologies are where they're from how they tie into things why they're associated with that arcana and this has done it so well and like it goes absolutely batshit insane by the end and i'm so there for it like the ending in particular like i cry- it was like 1 a.m i was crying like a baby oh, yeah. like I was, it was 3 p.m i love my <laughs> But, like, yeah, I just think it ties everything so well together. Like, I could do with it playing better, but mm-hmm. I, I think I still prefer Persona 3 very slightly, but probably because it plays a tiny bit better, like, mm-hmm. barely. But this is, like, you, you want a game that, like, throws you in at the deep end and doesn't let go? I think yeah. Persona 2 is for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to hop on here because I, I want to pick up one of the things you talked about in terms of themes, like 3, 4, and 5, picking up on themes. Like... I feel like four and five, in particular five, pick up on theme as pastiche, basically, like, as style. Yeah. Um, and, you know, five has this idea of, like, pushing against the establishment, blah, blah, blah. And that game is great <laughs> because of its combat and its style. And, frankly, it's pastiche, but it does not have any understanding of how to tell a nuanced story. It beats you over the head with a baseball mm-hmm. bat, literally, Ryuji style. Whereas this game doesn't do any of that. From a thematic perspective, it is all... We have talked, and for the record, I am so impressed by um, all of your thoughts here, and I'm really happy we had this conversation. Um, like, you guys taught me so much about this game today. But um, but it, it deals with it as subtext, but not so much so that you can't understand it. And it's, it's so mature in its storytelling. Even, I can't think of a PS1 RPG... That is as mature in its storytelling as this game is, um, or any, or really any right. games outside of I don't know a few um, since then, um, and so because of that, I think this makes it to me my favorite Persona game. But as Alana, I think accurately points out, I mean, I and I think I hated the combat more, and I, I don't know, like first RPG I ever played was Dragon Warrior One. I'd rather play that combat than this one ever again. <laughs> Um, I'm not kidding. And two? And two. I really play two from a combat perspective because it's still faster than this. Um, and I don't have to worry so much about like whether my fusion spells are right and like getting everything like lined <laughs> up correctly. It drove me insane. I spent 60 hours in this game. I didn't even do half the side quests. And it's because I spent way too much time messing around with Persona fusions. Um, and that's my fault. Leona said, like, don't do that. You don't need to. And I did anyway. Um, so... Yeah, my point is that like the the storytelling here is amazing, but it is wrapped up in a game that is eighty percent trash dungeons and combat, and that really frustrates <laughs> me. But so the fact that I still really like this game and rec- would recommend it despite that is actually mm-hmm. incredible. Leona, we haven't heard from you yet. What do you think? Oh, I love this game. I love this duology. I, I. I, it's one of those games where every playthrough I appreciate it just a little bit more because it's, it is so complicated on your first playthrough. The second playthrough you're like, I know what the story's about and then you pick up on all these subtle God, cues yeah. all the way through the game. It's such an enjoyable second playthrough for me that I, I, I can't help but be probably my favourite Persona 
um, if you include both parts, because it is a, it's, a, it's obviously a story in two parts. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just love it, I, and I love the characters. Um, we we this cast of characters is so lovable. <laughs> it's so it's this great. group. It's a, there's such a group of like misfits, like but proper misfits, proper weirdos that I can right. really relate to. <laughs> like not just like I'm quirky. No, like damaged (laughs) (laughs) i think it benefits as well going back to something you were saying zach like you know the characters in those games are great persona 3 4 and 5 but you've also got all the confidants and i feel like even though it develops all of them Mm -hmm. slightly i'd rather the game focused on a smaller cast of characters and really ran with them like persona 2 does like Mm -hmm. i think it really benefits from it and um like i'm gonna sneak in my little gin Tatsuya thing now I think it's yeah. not a theory I've come up with but like it's something that I saw again in this video in the um, Maya calls them doppelgangers and there is a book called Der Doppelganger and mm-hmm. in that book there is a poem and the one line in that book that sticks out to me is why do you mimic my lovesickness that tormented me at this place for so many nights in the past and essentially <sighs> this book or this poem is about um, a man who meets his self crying over the loss of a woman Maya is the woman who's gone missing. Oh my god. <laughs> Jun is the grieving person, the one who's Joker, and Tatsuya is the one who cannot accept the grief because he doesn't want to. Like oh, so So good. Yeah. Well, thank the three of you so much for chatting with me. I, I this is one of my favorite episodes I've recorded for this. Um you three oh. taught me a lot oh. about this game mm. um today. Um and I really appreciate that. You're all wonderful. Um, oh, so you. Thank you. Um, so uh, looking ahead, um, since we're wrapping up here, um, so next week, and I actually have the title this time. Um, we are uh, doing an episode <laughs> called, and I quote from Michael Solosi because he'll be he'll be back next week. Don't you worry. Curse you for your sudden but inevitable betrayal, <laughs> anime <laughs> RPG betrayals. This is actually an idea that Alana uh... had originally that uh, we're running with. Alana and I will both be on the episode, so. We're looking forward to that. Um, all right, and after that, we have two episodes about Fantasy Star 4, that 16-bit uh, Sega Genesis RPG, which I believe uh, both Alana and Leona will be on. It's a great game. Uh, you should play along with them if you can, because it's awesome. There's like It's on so many different platforms now. Um, and we'll also have an episode about the best year for RPGs, so we'll go through and we'll try to rank the top 10 year of releases for all RPGs, which I know a couple of us will be on for that as well. Um, if you would like to uh, give us any feedback, you can email us at RPG or at retro at RPGfan.com. You can also comment on the message boards. You can visit our Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, Discord. Uh, we also have a Twitch stream almost every day. Um, we also have three other fine podcasts, uh, Random Encounter, which is about random topics, whatever our hosts are playing. Uh, we have Phoenix Edge, which is mostly about current events. Um, we also, and again, it's back, uh, we have Rhythm Encounter, uh, which is about music, uh, RPG music. Um, and we also we play music from different RPGs and talk about our thoughts on that. And it's an awesome, awesome, and I'm so awesome podcast, and I'm so happy it's back. Um, if you'd like to give us some feedback, and we always appreciate feedback, you can review us on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever podcast uh, listening venue you use. We love feedback. Um, and also, let's talk about where we can find us or contact the different panelists. So, uh, starting with you, Alana. Uh, yeah, so as always, Twitter is probably the best place. I am at Alana Hagues on there. Uh, I am on RPG Fans Discord as well as Alana. Um, if you want to email me, though, you can do. I am Alana H at RPGFan.com. And Leona. 
you can find me at Starmongoose on Twitter, and I stream on Twitch. I am Starmongoose RPG fan. I have no idea what I'll be playing when this episode <laughs> goes out. I've still not decided what I'm playing next. Yeah, we're only recording like four or five days before this goes up. So, I know. I yeah. don't know what. I'm <laughs> <laughs> we'll help you decide. And Joe. Uh, you can find me on RPG Fans Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, and you can find me on my personal stuff as at Eva Lease. And you can email me at ZachW at RPGFan.com. Or you can also find me on Discord as ZachW. Uh, again, uh, thank you three so much for joining me on this podcast. It was a wonderful time. And thank you, listeners. Good night and good luck.